Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Man, this is—I mean, this is what we expect from the Knicks, right? The craziness. Well, now that everybody's favorite, slowly going senile president of basketball operations is out of the picture, the Knicks <laughs> need somebody new, and is- no surprise, they need the same guy they've needed for the past five years. To be honest, this is a guy they pursued for a long time. It's none other than Messiah Cherry. This is no secret. Phil Jackson, bad description of Phil Jackson. Such a such a great one. Senile. <laughs> well, he's slowly going senile, and he's slowly working his way into basketball irrelevancy, which is sad when you consider how much that guy's done coaching wise in the game. Even playing, you know, I mean, he wasn't like the greatest, but he was he's he was decent. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was all right. What did he have? Eleven rings total from like coaching, being a player, and all that. All everybody remembers him for right now is the Knicks and the debacle that it is. <laughs> Man, what is yo? That is sad. That's just like if you were to remember um, Michael Jordan for him playing on the Wizards. Yeah, like, oh that's, seriously, that's where it is right now, which is really okay. sad. Well, this brings in the Raptors now, and Messiah Jury is supposed to apparently go there, and the Knicks are apparently confident, and we're right back to where we were the year before, and the year before that, and then three years before that. And yeah, everything is status quo. See, here's the thing I don't get about like the Knicks wanting to sign Ujiri is uh they've you know Ujiri has been on the Denver Nuggets when the Nuggets were like good, and then the Raptors, and in both both stints he's fleeced <laughs> he's fleeced the Knicks. You know when he was on the Nuggets, like they got Carmelo out for a whole bunch of like assets. And then when in Toronto, like they made the Barnyarni trade, the glorious, glorious Barnyarni trade, <laughs> <laughs> and they got a pick out of it. They traded Barnyarni and got a pick back. How? How sway? Man, if I had answers for this stuff, if I had answers for any Knicks-related questions, I'd probably be on New York Radio for starters because that that is like that's literally like hitting Powerball. If you have answers to all these Knicks questions, you know. <laughs> Because nobody does. Absolutely nobody does right now. And I don't know if anybody can fix their problems. And I, I get why they want to link Messiah Jury because for some of the reasons you just named as well as uh, numerous other ones. Like James Dolan's always, always loved him. There's a lot of respect there, which when you, uh, you say respect in James Dolan and then you insert a basketball mind, whether it be president or general manager, it's, you're already perplexed because James Dolan – I'm not. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. It's just, just you, you keep playing that band, James. You keep doing your thing out there. JD in the straight shot, my fan. Yeah, some little bluesy stuff there. You know, yeah, <laughs> they're awful. Bluesy. Yeah, they're awful. All right, now with the whole Messiah Jury thing, like it doesn't make sense I mean, for him they, to leave, in my opinion. Sorry, when uh, the Messiah Jury. Tra- yeah, I mean, I guess they, would have to, they would have to make like a trade. Like, that's the only real way to get him from the Raptors at this point, right? 
Well, it would have to be something like what happened with Jeff Weltman when he went to Orlando. They got compensation, which was a second-round pick. Or when the Celtics let Doc Rivers walk when he had three years remaining on his deal, and they netted a first-round pick from the Clippers. Now, if Jeff Weltman netted a second-round pick in compensation, right. and Doc Rivers got a first-round pick, what the hell do you think Messiah Jury is going to fetch? I mean, I was writing about this, and I was like, man, maybe it's uh, maybe two first-rounders? Maybe a little bit two? Two, maybe three. Three is a bit much. <laughs> but uh, he's pretty much what, what the Raptors are right now. He's the reason why the Raptors are what they are right now. So, Would it not be fair to say Masai Jury is the face of the Raptors franchise right now? The face, wow. I don't know, it's hard to say the face, but he is definitely, like, the the major... Uh, the face is probably... Yeah, the face is too much, but he's a huge influence in what in what the Raptors are right now, you know? They wouldn't have Kyle Lowry um, with... It's funny, they wouldn't have Kyle Lowry without Masai Ujiri because he tried to... Or without James Dolan because Masai tried to trade Lowry. Yep. And then James Dolan was like, whoa, 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 whoa. This guy's already pulled the wool over our eyes twice. <laughs> yeah, we can't trim with him again. <laughs> right? So they're just like, no, 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 no. We can't do this. We can't do this. Man. It doesn't make any sense. And then, you know, Lowry stays on the Raptors. And now, you know, the Knicks are trying to steal Masai Jury from under, underneath them. I just don't, I don't understand why the Knicks are confident. Look, I, I get the semantics of it where... Yes, they, they should want Masai Jury. Let's be realistic here. Every team in the league that has an opening should want a guy like Masai Jury. Should Masai Jury want to hear what they have to say? Absolutely. Yeah. Why not? I mean, he kind of used this whole, hey, the Knicks are going to be interested in me again last summer when he leveraged a new deal with the Raptors and MLSE. So they just re-upped him for five more years last summer, partially in because of what happened with the Knicks, right? Like they needed somebody. They were willing to say that, you know, we're going to throw everything we can at Masai. It's no secret. It hasn't been a secret for years. It's probably one of the worst kept secrets of the NBA, to be quite honest, is that the Knicks and James Dolan specifically covet Masai Jury. So I understand both sides here with it, but when you look at it, if he went to the Knicks, the compensation they have to give up alone, you're saying two, maybe three first round picks. Um, for a team that hasn't had many picks over the past, what, three to five years because they've screwed them all up or traded them away, that cupboard is bare when it comes to the assets. And then you got Kristaps, who I've seen some Raptors fans say that should come to the Raptors as compensation for misogyny. <laughs> Let's get back into to realism here. Um, either way, like all they have is Kristaps. Like what other building blocks do they have? You can argue Frank, you know the new draft pick, Willie Hernan Gomez. Ah oh, man, <laughs> no, we don't love Willie. I love. Willie. No, I like him. I like him, but I think he's more of like he's not somebody you're going to go there and say that's a building block. You know, right. their best thing they could do would be trading Melo. And hoping to God they get a huge, huge return. And how funny would that be if Masai did go there and, again, Carmelo was the reason that he's going to rebuild a franchise. Yeah. I just don't see it. I just don't see how it's a better fit. I don't see what the benefits of it is aside from saying, hey, I could potentially revitalize the Knicks, which is the same thing as the Leafs. Whoever can revitalize the Leafs Savior. and say, man, we both know living in Toronto, if, if this regime can successfully do with the Leafs what we think they can – they're going to be immortalized here. They're going to have statues on top of the friggin' CN Tower. You know? <laughs> if Masai could do that with the Knicks, it'd be the same effect. So that's the appeal, I guess. But I don't see anything else past that. Yeah, man. I mean, there's enough. There's money in it for Giants of Africa. That's probably probably why a part of the reason why it makes sense for him. But he get when, he's getting paid like five million, six million by the Raptors right now. So to go from what the Raptors are. Like a successful franchise as you know, winning fifty games a season, to uh, whatever the Knicks are basically. Um, 
it's uh this is pretty hard to sell you know unless you're getting dollar bills like big time money like phil jackson 12 million a year for as a yeah. GM money can you imagine like phil jackson doesn't even like he's falling asleep in uh player like training stuff like people are working out for him and he's falling asleep and this guy's getting 12 million dollars man i can stay awake for 12 million dollars okay i don't think it's that hard seriously you can take my eyes open for 12 million dollars yeah exactly so uh you know if there's a ton of money on the line that's when i can you know probably see it happening but i think we're i think we're like everybody's like ahead of themselves on uh on this entire deal like with almost any staff or administrative administrative contract i've seen in the league is like if, if you're a play, if you're a team trying to like um poach like another staff you need to like ask the franchise permission to actually do that right so if you're mm-hmm. the raptors right and it's usually for like a, a an upwards move like for example luke walton he was part of the Warriors, right? He was an assistant coach, and then the Lakers approached him to become the head coach for the Lakers. So that totally yeah. makes sense when you're talking about, you know, it's a it's an upward move, plus he's going back to the Lakers. But when we're talking about Masai Ujiri, he's already president of basketball uh, operations on the Raptors, right? And then we're just talking about a lateral move to a division rival. Like, if I'm the Raptors, I'm like, hell, like, you just give him the Heisman and be like, what, what are you talking about, bro? Like, why would I ever allow you to just literally just, I'm giving you talent? Well, right? that's where the compensation would have to be astronomical. And again, the allure of, you know, revitalizing the Knicks is really all it is. However, I I could play devil's advocate here, and I could argue that maybe Masai Jury's not necessarily bored with the Raptors, but feels like he's done what he set out to do. They may not have won a title, but he's brought this franchise into an era that, Quite frankly, we haven't seen since Vince Carter, the Vince Sanity era. Mm-hmm. This, he's brought them there. He's established a player development program and brought the Raptors 905, and they've won a title, and he built up the player development side of things to, man, some franchises have been trying to do that since their existence, and they failed. He did it in, what, three years, four yeah. years? Yeah. So that's pretty impressive. They got a new facility. The BioSteel Center is top-notch. It's awesome. And then the fan base is rabid. It's hailed as arguably the best fans in the NBA. Basketball as a sport in Canada has grown to, I think, fair to say, the second most popular sport now. Yeah, well, Would that be the, fair to say. <laughs> the, well, the Blue Jays are uh, Blue Jays, man. The Blue Jays kind of suck right now. So, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, okay. So, <laughs> second or third. Either way, the relevancy of sec- basketball think, has grown. At this point, I think it's second, just because the Blue Jays are so bad. Like the Blue Jays are just like a legitimately not very. They're like an okay meh team. So yeah, they're just mediocre right now. They're just treading. They're just literally treading to be in the playoff picture. That's about it. Right. But exactly. when you, when you look at all these things though that Masai's done here, what else does he have left to do? You know, you could argue that side of the coin too. And he's he's really stocked up their front office with great great young talents. Like you look at guys like Dan Tolzman, mm-hmm. Bobby Webster, who was just promoted general manager. There's a lot of bright young minds in place with the Raptors. Even Keith Boyorski, who who handles all their uh, analytics. There's a lot of bright young minds in place here to make sure that this isn't going to fall apart. So maybe he could say, "Hey, I've done everything. You know, it's it's time for me to go take on a new challenge, and why not take on the monolith of revitalizing the Knicks?" Right. So and that's the devil's advocate, right? And then just balance. Like I don't, I don't. For some reason, it's just something I just don't understand. It's like there's so much benefit to being in Toronto. Like the entire, like everybody loves him here. Yeah. The money is good here. The franchise is good here. The the talent is good. You know. 
like he has security in Toronto. Like I just don't. Tons. I'm looking. Tons. I'm just. I'm honestly. I'm just looking around trying to see like the only benefit really I see is like it's New York. It's just the name. <laughs> That's it. Like, <laughs> That's it. Literally, it's New York, and I can get slightly more money. If he cares that much about the charity, if, like, the charity's number one in this priority list, and then I'd be like, okay, man, it totally makes sense to me, but... The what? The charity? Yeah, the charity. If it's, like, number one on his priorities of, like, life. What do you mean? The Knicks win the charity? Like, a Make-A-Wish Foundation? No, and now they're like, gonna, the... Uh, you know, the Giants I know, I know the Giants. Are, <laughs> yeah. Come on, Toronto's not that far from New York. The whole it's a one shot flight over from New York right. to wherever Africa wants to go. These people act like Toronto's a fucking third world country. I know, like, I don't understand it, man. It's just like this is often they say that. I guess they're just like, yeah, man, it's Canada. It's like Canada or New York, and it's like obviously New York versus Canada. I'm like, dude, you've never been to Toronto, so I don't understand how you can I don't just like. I don't understand York- how you can just oh, speak oh. down on it like this. It doesn't make any sense to me. But uh, yeah, dude, I just don't see the benefit to uh, to going to the Knicks in any sort of basketball situation. So. Me neither. And think about the clout a guy like Messiah Jury has. He's arguably one of the five best general managers, president of operations. Pick a title, however you want to do it. One of the best franchise managers. I'll just I'll just label it as that now because the general manager, president, it's, it's become muddied at this point. Yeah, it's became the president really makes all the decisions. But you put him in there with guys like R.C. Buford, Pat Riley. Bob Myers, Daryl Morey. Um, I mean, after that, it's you know David you Griffin. Can argue for you guys, yeah, arguably David Griffin because he had David, to deal with. Yeah, not even that. But I mean, remember when he, David Griffin signed LeBron? Like they didn't even have cap space to sign LeBron. Yeah, he had to maneuver <laughs> a lot of things to do that. So <laughs> the point is, though, Messiah Jury is in that class. Meaning, one competition to get a guy like that would be astronomical. Two, he doesn't have to, you know be wanted he's gonna call his shot of where he wants to go because he's that good and if he's saying toronto i don't see why he would leave i mean he used them he kind of used the knicks to make a new deal like i was saying earlier mm-hmm. but if there's anything raptors fans are really hoping for right now remember the whole fuck brooklyn when messiah said that out front? <laughs> yeah exactly they're hoping that that meant more than just brooklyn and it meant the other boroughs yeah it's just like every single happen. yeah every single part yeah. of the city just f off We'll see. I mean, do, what do you think is really going to happen? Do you think he's going to leave? I don't. I think I, he's staying. I think everybody's going to write their think piece, including me. And uh, everybody's going to be like, oh, the rumors swirl, swirl, swirl. And then, like, the dust just settles and nothing happens. You know, I just don't. It just doesn't make sense to me. It really it just legitimately just doesn't make sense to me for him to leave it, other than money. Right, the team is better. Everything else is better in Toronto. Does he just like living in New York? Okay, I guess whatever. That's the I only get the whole Tim Lewicki connection too. The he was the president of MLSE that really put a lot of things together, getting Shanahan a jury. You know, he's very very ambitious in what he sets out to do, and most of the time he succeeds. So I understand that. But unless James Dolan is offering shares in MSG, I mean, I just, yeah. Why aren't they just trying to sign David Griffin? I don't know. I feel like they think he's a backup plan. There was the rumor that Frank Rosola sent out about Isaiah Thomas. I was in oh my- <laughs> <laughs> All the memes were out there were like, oh, Philly, you think you know how to screw up a franchise? Let me show you how it's done. All that was coming out. And that is a disaster, man. If they sign... Oh my God. <laughs> right? But the Knicks are that dysfunctional. They're going to surprise you. They could easily do something like promote Allen Houston from within. Mm. You know, he's in their, in their organization right now. I mean, they could promote him. That's a, a legitimate possibility. Or they could literally go something crazy and go, I don't know, Clyde Drexler or something something off the charts or, or sign Isaiah Thomas. Like, 
you really don't know what the Knicks are going to do, and that's what makes them interesting. But that's also what makes them a laughing stock of the yeah. NBA. Yeah, like the the easiest plan uh, plan forward is just sign David Griffin, right? Next year, basically, you're just trying to clear caps. Like you're just trying to get Joe, try to get Joe Kim Noah off the books somehow. I don't know how, but just somehow get him off the team. Courtney Lee, you're trying to get him off the team. Like you're trying to move contracts. Basically, David Griffin's like specialty is moving players, right, yes, to get yep. other players. Like, so why aren't you just employing the dude that is like this is him? Like, this is him. His entire specialty is like I got. I don't have enough space. I need to move guys to make more space. Right, Ujiri is like great at making trades for like value, or he thinks like this player is better than the other. Like, he's good at making those trades, but he's not. I, we've yet to see him make a trade where like I gotta make. I gotta make nothing out of something. Do you know what I mean? Like I have too much of something, and I gotta make less of it. Like I haven't seen. It. The only we're gonna see him do it, do that this summer, hopefully. But we've never really seen him do that. We never seen him like I gotta. Lo- I need to lose space. Like I need to get more cap space, basically. Which is obviously, of course, easier said than done. I mean, you look at what the Raptors are facing with Amari Keller, Jonas Valanciunas, and. It's not that easy, right? That's what but, I'm saying. Like David Griffin is like, this is what he does. You know, that's yeah. what he did. Oh, for, yeah. That's what he did for Cleveland for three years, basically, right? And you he know, still he put did. a championship roster around LeBron. Here's my other question too with the Knicks in terms of who they're going to hire. And let's say Masai is that guy. Just, just for hypothetical sake. Most of the time, those guys are bringing a head coach with them. Is like, what's up with Jeff Hornacek? Is he just kind of sitting there? Cause he he can play an up tempo style of offense. He's developed some younger guys. You know, we saw that in Phoenix. Obviously, he can be a bit of a, a tight, rigid guy to play for, but right. what NBA coach isn't, they all have egos. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing, too, that I'm looking at. I'm like, hmm, maybe they'll bring somebody in who's close to him. I feel sorry for him, bro. Like, for him to be, join this team and then, like, that whole... Like, he has to, he's kind of just... He's a good coach. Remember him on Phoenix? I mean, they were running that yeah, dual point, that good, that dual, uh, point guard offense, and they won, like, 49 games... Right, he's like a you know he's a decent coach, and then he's like put in this crucible with uh, Chris Tops, Carmelo, and Phil Jackson, and then he's like, yeah, you know, navigate this, but also coach the triangle. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. So I think I don't. I think he just deserves a chance. You know, like I, if I was in that position, I'd be like, bro, just give me one year to let me like do regular stuff here. You know. Um, if if a new GM or new president comes in, they're probably going to bring in a new coach. That's usually what they do. That's usually what happens. Yeah, right. So I just I just feel bad for him. I think when they sign their new president, he might he's probably just going to be on the. Cho- I don't know how long his contract is. I should probably look it up. But uh, he's probably just going to be on the chopping block. He'll probably do one season and then be like, oh, we just need a new. We're going. The code is like we're going in a new direction. <laughs> right. We're going in a new direction, so we need a new coach. And uh, that's it. I think he. I think he's just gonna be ousted, or he's just gonna get one year, and then he's gonna be ousted. Like I don't see him lasting for very long there. Which is kind of unfortunate. We look at the big picture. It's great for, for the Raptors, for though. Oh yeah, all this is great for the Raptors. This entire it's, thing is great for the Raptors because I'm like, oh, Jeff Hornison might be uh be out of there, you know. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> 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 if Messiah was to go, the compensation off the charts. Yeah, it has to be. It has to be right. So, give me a percentage of the chances of him actually going to leave to join the Knicks. I got like a fifteen. Fifteen? One five. I was just. I was gonna say ten. 
15, yeah, 10, 15, 20 in that range where it's like 1 in 5, maybe. Max. 1 in 5? Max okay. 1 in 5. I just... 1 in 5 sounds like really... Like when you talk, when you say 1 in 5, like, now that sounds much more plausible, but it is like 20%. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't see it. If we do maybe. do it, if they do... Here's the thing. Like, if you're a rebuilding franchise, you need your draft picks. But if you want to get Masai Ujiri, you got to trade draft picks. So then what? Like, what's the point of getting him when you don't have the draft picks for him to, to use? You see what I'm getting at? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. That's what I was saying. Like, it just doesn't make sense for to me, for him, for them to go after him. It just doesn't. Yeah, I don't I don't see the... Like, the fit you can obviously see, but the compensation doesn't make sense. And it doesn't make sense for a jury to do it and then what? Yeah. I really hope to God he can flip um, a mellow, dare I say, Porzingis, that... Probably won't happen, but you got to flip something like that to gain all those assets back. So he's literally starting behind the eight ball. And to flip Melo, he's got to get Melo to agree to that no trade clause, or like yeah. to waive it, right? And he loves New York, supposedly. Right. Well, he's so, got the whole complications too with his wife and his kid, and yeah. So it's just like I don't dis- know what's going on there. It's That's why like he wants to stay in New York. It's a disaster, bro. <laughs> it's such a yeah, disaster. And he tried to orchestrate a buyout to go join Cleveland. Yeah, so I mean, like it's, it just doesn't matter. It, it's so it's such a bad idea. Now I'm thinking about it. Like if I'm Masayashiri, I'm just like this is such a bad idea to go there. It's just like you know, if you want a, if you want a new job, right? Just generally speaking, if you want a new job, you know, like you're looking for a new job and it's like you're finally somebody offers it to you and you're gonna think about like do i really want it like what is it like you know you're gonna ask around and you're gonna ask people you know what is the nick what are the knicks like right even if you talk to the players and be like what's it like you know working with the knicks and they're gonna be like it's it's awful you know <laughs> james dolan is one of the worst owners in the league we got like this gm that is trying to shove the triangle down our throats okay well i'm gonna replace that guy well you know to get you it would take draft picks so you're not even gonna be able to deal with the draft picks to rebuild the team so i was like what's the, so you're a messiah you're just like there's nothing there for me yeah i mean i wish i could say they were like um like rim when blackberry was massive and their stock was sky high and then you know all these new phones came and they kind of went out of style and their stock plummeted and now yeah. they're dead pretty much but they're not even like that they didn't even have a time where the Knicks were really good and successful. There hasn't been in a long time. Like, they got close, and then, you know, Scott Michael Jordan kind of wiped them out, which he mm-hmm. did with the whole Eastern Conference. But aside from that, they haven't really been great. So, yeah, so I just don't believe it. I'm not down. Hopefully, Masai sees through the through the veneer, man, because it just doesn't make any sense for him to leave. He should start focusing on uh, this, this Lowry re-sign, bro. Well, I mean, there's been, there's been some NBA news outside of the Knicks news, which I feel like every day it's not back page <laughs> tabloid. It's front page every day. The it's Knicks. either, it's either Knicks or it's Lakers every day. Understandable considering how big the fan bases are, but there was a bigger trade that happened that really, 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 really changed the landscape of the league. And more importantly, really impacted the Raptors biggest free agent Kyle Lowry. That was the Chris Paul trade. CP3 to Houston, baby. Yeah, man. That has a lot of layers too. a lot of interesting TMZ gossipy type layers, I guess you could say, especially with uh, Doc Rivers and Chris Paul's relationship d- deteriorating, mm-hmm. and a lot of it reportedly deteriorating because Doc Rivers, you know, his son took care of uh, took care of his boy before taking care of the team. My son, and, yeah, my son, my <laughs> son. Did you hear some of the stuff they were saying about that? Where like Doc Rivers was favoring uh, Austin, like say we both 
we're supposed to do, you know, like 300 three-pointers, and he did 250. I did 250, you did 250, and we're just like, you know, we're just going to lie about the 50. And then they find out about the lie, and then they're just like, you, you're running 50 laps to make yeah, up for each three-pointer. Like, Austin. And Austin's like, you, five laps. And then people are just like, what? <laughs> well, there's a lot more to that, too, actually. So you saw the big baby Davis, Glenn Davis, when he went on Instagram mm. and basically put a play league called Doc Rivers and Austin Rivers, more specifically Austin Rivers. He called him a bitch, yeah. to put it bluntly. He said a lot more just that, but you can fill in the blanks there with that. So there's that that started. Then there's all the reports that Chris Paul and everybody else in the locker room didn't get along. That's been long, long stated about the Clippers and that Doc Rivers and Chris Paul, they don't see eye to eye in the court and they disagree because Doc likes to micromanage and Chris Paul is obviously, as we all know, one of the biggest loudest strongest best floor leaders at the point guard position in the nba and all you had to do was watch the games there's no secret they were legitimately yelling at each other at times this year like yelling at yeah. each other so yeah, yeah, we saw that. that and then where the whole doc rivers austin rivers narrative comes into play is last offseason when doc became the gm one of the first things he did was resign austin mm-hmm. and they the players apparently were pissed off that they did that before even resigned jamal crawford I don't think Jamal Crawford's... I mean, I understand it from the player's perspective, but I don't even think Jamal Crawford's that good anymore. So. Me neither, <laughs> but the point is, like, make a decision on him first before you go and sign your own son. Right, like, right. I can understand how that looks bad. And then oh, there's yeah. the other side of it, too, where apparently Doc and them, they weren't willing to give Chris Paul the max at all, and they weren't willing to commit to him to anything. And let's face it, Chris Paul negotiated a lot of this new CBA, so he's a very powerful person. He knows the loopholes, the ins and outs, and he'll definitely know how to orchestrate the most money possible for himself. And basically the Clippers will go, that's nice. <laughs> that's nice. That's I mean, literally what Doc said to him. He's like, yeah, okay. Hey, that's okay, but, you know, uh, we're not going to pay you that because you're worth too much. You know, what I've been thinking about with this trade, I guess it's a trade. It's, yeah, it's a trade. But like, it's a trade, yeah. The Clippers got a good haul for yeah, Paul, what they gave up. I'm thinking about, um, like, Jerry West. This is a Jerry West move. It has to be. 100%. So I don't think Doc Rivers was going to... Because Doc Rivers doesn't do rebuilds. You know, he said it himself, right? So I can't... Well, you're being nice, man. I'll say it bluntly. I don't think Doc Rivers is that smart because he's too arrogant to do something <laughs> like this. Seriously. Right. right, so I don't think he would be like, oh, yeah, we're just going to let everybody loose because I don't think Blake Griffin is probably probably not going to sign, resign, right? So I can't imagine he's like, yeah, we're just going to let everybody loose and we're gonna, I'm going to coach a, you know, 35-win team. Right, I just can't imagine him saying that or doing that. But if you're, you know, Jerry West, you know, you just stepped out of the the Warriors, um, uh, you know, ivory tower, and you're just like, I'm gonna build this time instead of ivory, I'm making it out of diamonds, right? And this yeah. time, <laughs> right? And like, you know, yeah, you're, you're facing this tower, and it's made out of like iron. You're just like, we're gonna tear down this iron, right? It's in, it's it's taking up too much space for my diamond tower, so I'm gonna tear down the iron. Right, and that's what I think he's doing right now. He's just like, you know, this is obviously not good enough to beat the Warriors because I was the dude that helped put together the Warriors. So I'm going to take it down. Right, it totally makes sense. It absolutely makes sense. I mean, like objectively, if you're looking at it, it's like, okay, well they're not going to beat the Warriors. They're probably not even going to make it out of the second round. So it's just like, if we're trying to win a championship, it's just not here. It's just not. It's not available at this time. Please record a message. You know. <laughs> I agree with that. I think like the bigger picture too with all of it now is that you look at Blake Griffin, free agent. Um, the Suns are obviously going to have a lot of interest. And mm-hmm. Blake Griffin on other podcasts and radio shows and whatnot, more specifically the Barstool ones, he said 
numerous times how much he likes the city of Phoenix. So I think the Suns are a realistic team that could swoop him away from the Clippers. And then they're left with what? DeAndre Jordan? I mean, they're would you not him. try and move him? Yeah, yeah trade, him, trade him. And um, that makes Jerry West the best point guard on the Clippers. So maybe he'll come <laughs> out of the booth next year and play. Yeah. Oh, man, that would be so awesome, the logo, to be back on the floor. Right. But when and, you look at it, though, it's a teardown. Yeah, it is. It's the first step of the teardown. They got a good They got a good amount for it. And with CP3 in Houston, that means uh, Kyle Lowry doesn't really have anywhere to go anymore. Well, you can scratch two teams off the list now because the Clippers was a rumored team that if CP3 left, does that mean they go after Kyle Lowry? Mm-hmm. You could still make that argument that if they re-sign Blake, they go after Lowry. Like That makes sense. But based on what you're seeing happen with the Clippers – I don't think that's a fair thing to assume, you know. I think they're gonna, I think they're gonna do the teardown, like we're both kind of hinting at here. Yeah. Then, then you look at the Rockets. They had a spot for a point guard. They made the space, but they used it all on Chris Paul, mm-hmm. so they're no longer available. You know, that seventy seventy sixers just uh, got Markel Fultz, right? The Nets. Who did the Nets get again? Oh yeah, that's the second <laughs> second pick in the draft, which is D'Angelo Russell. So it's just like, who else does he go to? Is he going to the Spurs? Pay cuts. Well, if he goes to the Spurs, the Spurs need to maneuver some money around still. That's the thing. The Spurs yeah. can't just up and sign him. They've got to make space. That's what I'm saying. Like, you know, pay cut, maybe. <laughs> and then so, you look out there, though. But really what this speaks to is that this is a market for free agents, specifically point guards, that is not the strongest. And I say that in a sense where they're not really in the position of power that we've seen in the past. There's not many teams out there that are going to offer you the $30 million per year deal that we've seen these point guards get. Right. So I just, you know... Get th- shoot shoot me some uh some poten- potential destinations for him. You got any on the <laughs> you got any? I, I got Toronto, Minnesota, and San Antonio. If right. I'm gonna if I'm gonna list three. Because you look at some of the other places out there that can offer him, they're not contenders. And Lowry said to him he said at his end of year press conference, the most important thing for me is winning and winning a ring. Right. He can't do that unless one, he takes a massive pay cut, which doesn't really sound like he's gonna do. No. And other places that he could do that, they can't. They can't take him because they don't have any space. Literally, no space. Yeah. So, so that opens the door for the Raptors to perhaps play a bit of hardball. This is something that Zach Lowe and Ramona Shelburne were talking about on their podcast. Oh, we talked about this before the podcast. Their podcast. Yeah. Man. No. Yeah, we talked about it before too. But I'm just saying this is something that's came up again. They can it's, play hardball with him. He's 31. He doesn't really have a market. He's kind of backed into a corner. Yeah, it's like, hey, man, you know, five the five-year contract. Danny LaRue, one of my favorite <laughs> analysts, is like... Love him. Sometimes it's it's, uh, it's years, not dollars. Like, for some... Like, I could pay you the max for, like, two, three years, right? But when we're talking about paying the max for five years, I'd be like, whoa! Was a, no way. Absolutely not. Right? So that's this is a situation of years, not dollars, right? So it's like... We're negotiating over the years, basically. So it's like three, four, five years. I was like, ah, oh, three years. Like, if you're the Raptors, you probably want to do a three-year contract, right? Obviously, yeah, three and an option. That's probably going to be the negotiation point. It'd be like they want five, we want three. It'd be like, okay, how about three and uh, and then it'd be like a true. What are we doing? Player option, team option. That's going to be the negotiation point. I'm pretty sure. And I, I think that's more than fair. Thirty-one years old, you know, take you to thirty-five. Based on the way point guards age, <clears throat> based on his health, how we've seen in the past, um, hate to bring this up, but even based on his weight, and we've seen it fluctuate throughout mm-hmm. his career, it's fair to assume that he's probably not going to age well, more than likely. Father time is undefeated. It's undefeated. 
Right, and and every every year, it's you know every year it's like a freak accident, sometimes, right? But like, it's happening every year where something is something is going wrong. Whether it's his elbow or it's his hand or it's like it's a hamstring or something. Like it's always something. And but that's like an age thing where like every year something will happen to you and you'll start to break down and you can't play as many games. Right, or even if you watch the big three, I think it was like J- Jason Williams, like he tore his ACL and he's out for the season. Like he played yeah. one, yeah. <laughs> <That's> unbelievable. <laughs> he played one game, but like the, he only played one game, bro, and he's out for the rest of that the, the season. You know, that's what happens when you get older. It's just he was actually why I wanted to watch that. To be honest, I mean, <laughs> Jay Will White Chocolate, that was my guy, man. Right, so like every progress, every single year, it's just more likely for you to get injured, and when you play eighty-two games. You're like over the course of the 82 games, you're more likely to get injured. So you're just going to get injured because when you're playing the playoffs, you're playing like 90 games. And if yeah. you get deep into the playoffs, it's like 100 games, bro. Right? So you're, he's just going to get injured. It's just like a, it's almost a foregone conclusion. Like we're seeing the same thing with CP3 where he broke his hand. Like he broke his, he to- broke his hand. Like last year, he tore a ligament in his hand. The year before that, it was the hamstring. Like there's always something. Right, and when you're a small point guard, and especially when you're his play style, like he's just more likely to get injured. That's why they don't want to sign him for five years. Here's my question for you: Then, does Kyle Lowry, who we know wears his emotions on his sleeve, can be outspoken at times? He's he's basically he's not afraid to tell you what he's thinking or how he's feeling. Does he not get upset and maybe say, you know, f Toronto now? Oh yeah, you see that as a possibility? Nah, man, because if you're if you're the Spurs or who's our, what was our other destination again? <laughs> Minnesota. Minnesota. Minnesota seems to be one where they would do a sign and trade with Rubio. With that's Rubio, been another thing that's been rumored out there. That's like a bad trade for the Raptors. Oh, anyways, if you're you know Minnesota <laughs> or uh, the Spurs, like, are you trying to give him five mil or five years? I don't think so, dude. Right. Like, so I feel cool. like he doesn't have a lot of leverage, which is something you wrote about. And I just I don't see where he's going to be able to stand here and say you know hey give me my five year max my five year two hundred five million because I'm a Messiah I go Kyle you can walk back out that door you can close it and then you're going to reopen it and you come back in here and you're going to be realistic with me you're not going to tell me about how you want two hundred five million dollars over five years because we both know that's not happening that can't like why why would we do a Knicks type deal you want to do that kind of shit go call James that's what I would literally say go call James, <laughs> go call James. you know like that can't happen. Yeah, I just there's just no realistic team like the the Timberwolves are still young, right? I mean they got are Jim, they, they got they? Jimmy they got Jimmy Butler, but you know Andrew Wait like the core dudes are like twenty twenty one twenty years old, right? Well, there's talk that that organization feels like they're ready to take that next step forward. So if they are, would that not kind of mean Lowry could be a possibility? If you're trying to go championship or bust with your two best, you know, your two okay, best yeah. players, <laughs> your two best players are like 21. Okay, you can do that, but like I doubt it, you know. <laughs> like if they got Jimmy Butler, your hope the thing is like they traded their draft pick and Zach Levine's cuz like you hope that those guys turn into Jimmy Butler. It's like, "Oh, well, you know what? Let me just get Jimmy Butler right now while he's like 27 years old." Right? Cuz even then when in 3 years from now he'll be 30. You know, he's taking a step back, but everybody else on the roster is taking a step forward. And he's already, like, he was, like, a top 10, top 15 player this this year. So, you know, when he actually starts to fall back, he's still going to be, like, a 20, 30 best player. He's still going to be, he's still going to be, like, he's still long. He's still six foot seven, right? He's still going to be able to defend people. 
right? All he has to do is, like, sharpen up his three, and then everybody else around him gets better, so... That's how, that's how they can afford to do that trade. When you get Kyle Lowry, Kyle Lowry's 30... I think he's even 31. He's 30, at least, right now. It's just, like, we're trying to win right now, because three years from now, he's going to be 33, and he's going to be playing, like, 50 games a season. Right? No, so... I just... It's... You know, when you're Messiah you're just... Besides you, you're walking into the to the to the negotiation table. You're feeling good, you know. You got your like ex going give it to you on on your iPod when you're walking in, and then you're just like you just <laughs> you, you have you walk in. You probably have like three three sheets of paper. And he's like, yo, pick one, and that's it. Like I so feel this like goes back to what we were saying before. Then we said this, man. I want to say, wow, we brought this topic up so many times. Mm-hmm. I, I want to say. Three seventy-five is what we came to. Twenty-five mil a year plus an option for him. Right. I've even seen three eighty. I think those are comfortable figures the Raptors could live with. Yeah. And still be able to sign guys like Abaka or PJ Tucker. Yeah, yeah. Now that's now that this has all happened, like you're basically getting him at a reduced price. He could kind of bring back everybody else. The tax bill isn't too high. Hmm. Hmm. I agree. Mm. And, and to your point, though, <laughs> and to your point, which you said a bit earlier was. Give him the max deal on a shorter term. Now, you can't necessarily do that over a two, three-year time. I mean, what they could do is they could maybe front-load it and just overpay him. For the first year. First year or second year. Wherever they feel like it can fit properly. Right. And something else people need to keep in mind, too, is that this whole luxury tax crunch that people like to bring up all the time. So this number, they need to be under it before the deadline. The trade deadline. So right. there's lots of time. This isn't something that needs to happen overnight, you know? They can be over the luxury tax and have this monstrous tax number leading up to the trade deadline, and then they can get under it yeah, or get just... something close to it. Like, that's how it works. It's not they have to be under it before the season starts. Yeah, exactly. So well, there's lots of time to sort this tons out. Tons of time. We got tons and tons of time. We can bring back everybody, win a few games before the trade deadline, and then I'm going to have to trade P.J. Tucker because OG Onanobi is going to have to play. He's gonna be good. See, I think he's going to be good, and I've run it. I was thinking about him recently, and uh, I was trying to think about you know how he actually gets minutes on this team because for you know any NBA player to develop, they need to play, mm-hmm. and he's a small forward, and then we have Damari Carroll and PJ Tucker. The PJ Tucker is going to get like Dwayne Casey loves PJ, so he's going to get minutes. He has to play Carroll just to just to like sop up the minutes right and the thing is like none of them really hit the three very well but damari carroll's the best three-point shooter out of the three right and that but pj tucker's the best defender so like when do you play og when you have all three of those guys on your team i think you play some sort of combination of them together if the raptors are truly going to play this new style of basketball they're talking about Mm -hmm. you can afford to play those kind of guys they're long enough they're spry enough to play defense and shoot the three. Like, there's enough there that they can get by and be one pain in the ass group to play against. You know, so I think that they can do that if they're truly committed to playing this not necessarily smaller style of basketball. I don't want to call it that, but a more modern style, right? Where you can see a lot more pace and space, shooting at a premium. Either you shoot from 24 feet and back, even though you take those long twos, you can still take them, mm-hmm. or 10 feet and in. If they're playing that way, you can play all these guys. Okay. So I'm just getting worried, like. It's getting to it's gone to the point because especially when you're bringing in the tax, where you're trying to retain all of them, and then one of the better one of the easier ways to cut like money for the tax at the deadline would be to trade PJ Tucker, 
but then you also want PJ Tucker because you think you you'd win more games with him, right? And you'd also want him on the team because like you want like everything that PJ Tucker is, you want OG to be, yes, <laughs> but better, <laughs> but with a three point shot. So why wouldn't you just keep them together and have him be the mentor? OG's gonna be good, man. I don't know if he'll be like starting five impact player good, but he's gonna be a nice rotational. player. I think he could be middle. if he could shoot. Honestly, if he could just shoot because his he's actually a good finisher at the rim, like a like a above average one. I would say his like his physical makeup is just like I hate small forwards, and I'm going to make a person that defends small forwards. <laughs> yeah, literally, right? <laughs> right? And uh, like he, when I've I've seen like I've seen like uh, Draft Express clips of him, and I've also like watched like a couple games because I want to figure out who he actually was. Like he's good, like he's a good like off ball defender where he, like he blows up a lot of like cuts and stuff like that. Like he's very sharp. He's basically very active in the lane, man. Like he's basically anti Demar Derozan on defense. Yeah. Right. So, like, I want him. So, I think he's going to be effective. All he has to do is be able to shoot because he's like super athletic, right? So, if he could just shoot, he's going to. I think he's a rotation player, like a starting five rotation okay. player. I-, I could buy that. Uh, something else to watch for fans out there when you're watching OG actually play. I know it's going to be a while, but he's right-handed. But notice how much he finishes around the rim with his left. So he's mm-hmm. almost ambidextrous at the rim, which you expect a lot of guys in the NBA to be, but a lot of guys aren't. They have a tendency to finish with the one hand. Um, that's not OG, and that's another great, great trait about him to build on his defense. You know, if he can just finish around the rim, shoot a couple threes. Let's say what thirty-eight, forty percent. That's that's an awesome career. That's an awesome. That's like you're playing like ten years in the NBA if you can just do that. <laughs> Especially today's NBA, where some teams might even stretch him out to a four. Right, he's tall. Like he's six foot eight. And he's got like I think his wingspan is like seven two or seven three. Yeah, seven two. Right, so he's just like he's a massive dude, Masca- massive dude, super muscular. <laughs> like for a college player, I just can't, I can't fathom how muscular yeah. this dude is. So it's just like if he can just shoot, like he's honestly a starting five dude, right? And his like his knee was the only problem, and if he can just overcome, like he doesn't need. To, the thing is, like he doesn't need to be super athletic to be a rotation player, right? And he was already like a nuclear. I wouldn't say nuclear athlete, but like. He was jumping out of the gym at some points, right? So, yeah. just shoot the... I mean, if you can just, like, harness that three-point shot, pull a Norman Powell, basically, and just, like, start hitting threes, then he's, like, a legit player. Like, you just replace Damari Carroll on, in the lineup. Like, and if you <laughs> want to go on a timeline for OG, Damari's got two years left on his deal. By the time that rolls around, here's your replacement. Yeah, he would be the replacement. So, OG. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at him, man. I'm watching him. Um, I'm hoping that he can fulfill his destiny here because there's definitely a <laughs> there's definitely a pathway for him to being like a very very effective player. So and give me a grade for the pick. I think I think it's like a it's a B plus B plus for me. B plus? Yeah, I had an A minus, and I only say that just because the potential. A right. plus potential. My a plus. Own, yeah, exactly. But the caveat is the injury. He's yeah. missing so much time. It's going to take him a while to possibly get acclimated to how the Raptors play. Exactly. Um, I think having Jerry Stackhouse coming back as a D-League coach for the 905. G-League. G-League. Sorry. G-League. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Got to get used to that one. I think that's going to help OG a lot. Right. Like He's going to help him get used to the league and playing a certain way. And Jerry Stackhouse just has that mean streak to him as mm-hmm. not only a coach but back as a player. And OG kind of has that too. You heard him say, you know, all these teams that passed on me, I want to make them regret it. Exactly. So I feel like Stackhouse is really going to help him get acclimated with the Raptors quicker and 
yeah, that's why for me it's an A minus. Yeah. You know, what does this mean for Bruno? <laughs> oh, you want me to answer that? <laughs> Sorry, sorry. That's uh that's bad podcasting right there. Ooh, yeah. Come on, man. What does it mean for Bruno? What is it means mean? this is a guy that Bruno should have developed into. This is Lesai. Bruno is the only blemish on Masai jury. And to be fair, people are gonna say, Oh, you should have taken somebody else. The only other guy you could have taken that's really worked out was Rodney Hood. Rodney Hood. Everybody, every, I swear, everybody's like, "Oh, we were about to take Rodney Hood, but blah 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 blah." Yeah, that's nice. And Bruno could still definitely pan out. I mean, he's only twenty-two, twenty. Yeah, yeah 22. he's mad young, dude. He's so so young. I just don't think he cares about basketball a lot. Yeah, maybe not. That's it's just okay. my opinion. It's okay. He's got a couple million dollars underneath his belt. Yeah, man. I, I'll never knock a guy like that. I remember when he was here and. He's nineteen twenty, and he was going to all the clubs and everything. You see him out downtown. That, that's fine, you know. He's doing what every young person does. So, I'm not going to knock him for that. But he just looks very aloof and casual out there. A lot of times when he's yeah. playing, he just doesn't have that kill switch. It's not even that, man. It's just like it looks when he's playing. It looks so meh. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's just not it, impressive. It just looks so meh. Like I don't. This is the best way to describe it. Like if you watch him in person, we have like we've had the opportunity to do so. It's just like meh. Like it's just like he's another dude out there. And I've seen him at practice. I've seen him at games, and I've seen him in pickup game settings like Crown League. Mm-hmm. He's there's nothing, nothing there's, overly impressive there. Yeah, which is fine. Not, I, I know you think I sometimes I hate on the guy. But no, I not really. Fair, I think there's fair reason, man. I just, I don't think he's going to translate well into the NBA game anymore. I just think if he hasn't developed by now four years in the system, I mean, I don't know what else we're going to expect from him. Mm-hmm. To me, I think for him, like a ceiling now would be being somebody like, uh, kind of like, like a fan favorite that plays every once in a while. Kind of like, let's say like Matt Bonner with the Spurs, where he can carve out, mm. surprise you every once in a while with some meaningful minutes. Right, but for right. the most part, he's like a 10th, 11th rotational yeah, yeah. guy. Like, I think that would be like, if he could translate into that, that'd be great. <laughs> that'd be great. Oh my goodness. I know. I'm not- the Brazilian Kevin Durant. Oh my God. We're done here. We're done. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> the Brazilian Kevin Durant, man. What a time. Dang, man. Unbelievable. I still remember that. I, I still remember when he got picked. Although, who? Yeah. Freaking out and who? I'll never forget that. Two years away from being two years away. I think he's supposed to be one year away at this point, I think. Supposed to be. It depends. Well, you know, carry the two, move the one. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Um, We try to keep this episode mostly about Raptors talk. I know the Knicks kind of got into the Clippers, Mm. but that's inevitable with us. Uh, We're going to come back and do an NBA free agency to preview it because that opens up Friday night, well, Saturday morning at midnight. It's Canada Day. Yeah, stay tuned for that. That'll be coming out Friday as well. In the meantime, thank you for listening to this episode of the Toronto Raptors podcast brought to you by tipofthetower.com. As always, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Tip of the Tower. You can follow me on Twitter at Crystal Cranitz. You can follow Damar on Twitter at Damar J. Grant. See you guys in, see you guys in a few minutes. Yeah, Take later. care. Later.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.